Thanks for tuning into The Scoop. I hope we can continue to serve as an important source of information and entertainment during these unprecedented times. I want to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Bitstamp, before we get started with the episode. They're the original global cryptocurrency exchange. Since 2011, Bitstamp has been a cornerstone of the cryptocurrency industry and the preferred exchange for serious traders and investors, trusted by over 4 million customers including top financial institutions. Bitstamp is built on professional-grade trading technology. Their platform is powered by a matching engine from NASDAQ, the global stock exchange, and their APIs are consistently recognized as the best in the industry. Bitstamp's advanced trading interface, TradeView, features live charting, deep analytical tools, and is available on web and mobile. You can download the Bitstamp app from the App Store or Google Play, or visit bitstamp.net slash pro to learn more and to start trading today. That's bitstamp.net slash pro. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in into what is a very special episode of The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, the director of news at The Block. And on the other side of the mic, joining us from Hong Kong, he's 12 hours ahead, is Mark Lamb, the CEO of CoinFlex. And Mark has been a friend and follower of the block, and we've been a friend and follower of CoinFlex for quite some time. It feels like ages ago. We wind back the clock to January 2019 when they gate crashed the crypto world with one of the first, or maybe the first, markets for physically delivered crypto futures. And most recently, we had the exclusive on their launch of a new repo market for the crypto world. And if you're not familiar with what a repo market is, or if you're not an expert like I wasn't two weeks ago when they broke the news on Wall Street, it facilitates the trading of trillions of dollars, or rather the exchange of trillions of dollars a year between various large financial entities, allowing for essentially overnight lending to execute on various business operations when they might need a little extra cash. We're going to talk about what you guys have created and how you see this market fueling the future of CoinFlex. But I guess before we dive into it, walk us through point A to point B. How did we get from futures to, you know, really diving into lending in a sense or creating a market that can allow for this sort of lending facilitation? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we've we seen futures always as sort of a lending tool. And one of the things I've always liked about physically delivered futures is they allow for a perfect basis trade. You know, if you buy spot and you sell a quarterly future and you hold that to expiry, that is an interest rate trade that is a, a yield play. And it's a lending transaction. And if you sell Bitcoin and you buy futures, you can use the futures to borrow. And so we've always been interested in futures for that reason and, and speculative reasons as well. And that, that was part of why we started CoinFlex. And basically the feedback we had gotten, you know, we, we've had a lot of things people love about us, you know, very, very good APIs, kind of this FlexCoin mining system. We have a lot of uh, big institutional market makers on the platform. There's a lot of people, things people like about us. One of the things people don't like is the physical delivery actually requires that you stump up a bunch of either cash or crypto 
at the expire of the futures contract. And if you're a small market maker, or even if you're just a market maker that's that's using a lot of leverage and that's basically trying to conserve balance sheet, you know, people don't like having to stump up that cash. And so we actually got this feedback over and over again, which was, why can't you create a perpetual? And in some cases, people were saying, why can't you create a physically delivered perpetual? And we would ask them, well, what do you mean by that? And they would they would have no idea. It just came to their mind because they know we like physical delivery and they know most of the industry is perps. And so at one point, we just kind of started thinking about why don't we just create a physically delivered perpetual futures contract and a futures contract that had all the characteristics of BitMEX or uh, other types of perps in that you could open a position and hold it forever, be long, hold it for an indefinite period of time, but also you could get delivery. And that was what we basically created. And the way we, the interesting thing was we didn't set out to create a repo market. We were setting out to create a physical perp because we felt like it was something the crypto market needed. We love physical and we love crypto and crypto loves perps. And we then realized that by creating this physical thing that also had this kind of short term and indefinite expiry, it required the creation of an instrument that allows people, lenders primarily, to step in and provide capital in the instance that, you know, let's say one side is long and wants to go wants to continue holding a position, the other side is short and wants to deliver their position and get dollars. Well, who steps in and provides the dollars? And that was where the need for a repo market emerged. Interesting. Yeah. So let's let's try to break that down a little more in a way that, you know, folks who may not be deep in the nitty-gritty or as granular on some of this stuff as you might be so that they can understand it. The sense yeah. I have from from the way you describe the launch of really the the relaunch in a sense of CoinFlex is you had people who were trading perpetuals for various reasons across some of the better known exchanges like BitMEX obviously and and many of the other non-US based firms have had great success launching these perpetual products. And so they're trading these perpetuals on various exchanges. They see the benefit of trading futures that settle physically, but they didn't have a good way to sort of engage and interact with both, so to speak. And so in order for you to then create a platform where those two products could, in a sense, exist more seamlessly together, you had to create this new type of instrument that is, in a sense, a crypto twist on the repo market as it's known on Wall Street. Exactly. And the nice thing about our twist to the repo market is, unlike in traditional repo, which is entirely OTC, CME, ICE, and other exchanges, uh, Life in London, have attempted to create a centrally cleared, centrally tradable repo market. And every time they've tried that, it's, it's actually failed. Our repo market is centrally tradable. It's not bank to bank, bank to Fed, bank, you know, it's not this kind of collection of really big players. It's actually anyone can come in and do short-term borrowing, do short-term lending. And we're creating interfaces where, so we're creating an app. We have this app called FlexEarn. And this is a product where you can lend into the repo market without actually trading on an interface. So you don't have to have knowledge of how a repo market works or where to put in bids or how to put in offers or you don't need to know what you're doing you just one click and you're lending repo earning yield off of the differences between spot and perps 
And that's really important because these spot and perp markets have massive discrepancies all the time. And people don't think of them as massive because it's like one, two, three basis points. But obviously, if you're a lender, you know, earning three basis points every few hours or every day or several times a day is 10 or tens of percents annualized. Mm -hmm. So looking at the traditional market, you have a large, let's say hedge fund maybe will come to their clearing bank, right? And we'll go through that clearing bank to then borrow from maybe an investment bank on the other side. And, and you have that intermediary sitting in between the two. In this market, the intermediary is now CoinFlex. And maybe I'm a crypto market making firm that wants to uh, swap my perpetuals to get some Bitcoin for whatever reason. And we can get into the reasons why they'd want to do that. On the other side of that trade, can be more directly retail folks who want to get in on the action and, you know, yield farming exactly. has now become this huge trend, yeah. right? So yeah. um, give, give us like an example of like what one trade, so to speak, might be like you've had the platform live now for a couple of days. What's like one example that people can really like wrap their heads around? Is it, um, you know, trading desk A comes in, they swap sure. $5 million worth of Bitcoin for perpetuals. And then who's on the other side? So what basically the most common trend lending, borrow lending transaction in crypto is using crypto to borrow dollars and then using those dollars for something else. So to give an example, I come into the CoinFlex repo market, I have 100 Bitcoin and I want to borrow a million dollars or I have 150 Bitcoin and I want to borrow a million dollars. I sell my Bitcoin for perps. Basically, I sell my Bitcoin for spot and I buy perps in one trade. Uh, that's the repo. It, it's a sell spot, buy perps or buy spot, sell perps trade. And uh, now I have a million dollars, some margin and a perp position. And with that million dollars, I can take it off platform. I can go to comp. I can do yield farming with it. It's in USDC. So it's movable very quickly. I can basically do whatever I want. And that's the key thing is this is totally your assets. I mean, you're selling spot and buying a perp. So once you're into that trade, you can take it off a platform for 24 hours, or you can take it off a platform for a month. The perp leg is auto rollable. So it's not even overnight financing only. I mean, people think of the repo market as an overnight financing. Really, I think of the repo market, 24 hours is a discrete block of time that's fungible. So every borrow lend trade can role in that fungible block of time. And what that means is if you want to borrow for 10 days, you can borrow for 10 days. Now you'll pay a variable funding rate based on the perp, but you, you can take out a million dollar loan in one click and hold that open for 10 days, a month, two days, you know, whatever, whatever period of time you wish. And so that's really, um, that's really kind of the heart of all this. But also, if you wanted to take dollars and borrow Bitcoin, let's say you're a hedge fund that wants to trade on a, an exchange that has Bitcoin as collateral, but you don't want to own Bitcoin. BitMEX only takes Bitcoin as collateral. So maybe you want to trade on BitMEX. Well, you take dollars, buy repo, buy Bitcoin, sell perps. And now you have Bitcoin, but no exposure to Bitcoin. And you can move those Bitcoin to another exchange and trade their derivatives and not have any exposure to the price of Bitcoin.
So there's a lot of things that can be done, but those are probably the two most common ones in terms of our repo market. When you look back, right, on not only this decision, but many of the decisions you guys have made as a firm, and I've always been a keen observer and very interested in what you guys do, because I think a lot of it has been fairly clever, right? Whether we look at the original launch and the market maker incentive program you guys rolled out, it's been relatively bleeding edge. But when you talk about the previous platform, there were things that people liked that people didn't like. And I remember even way before you guys launched, people looked at physically delivered futures as being sort of a panacea to many of the problems with cash settled products. But even still, despite early success, you you talk about there being things that still people needed or wanted to really get this market to get to the point that you would like to see it at. I know it's early days now with sort of the relaunch, but in terms of what your expectations were and and how you see this market becoming something that can create sticky interest among all sorts of market participants, where are you maybe hitting the mark, no pun intended because that's your name, and not hitting the mark? Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the things that was problematic in our first iteration as CoinFlex was probably the uh, the way we did margining. So it was quite clunky. It was somewhat manual. You had to kind of take out leverage, kind of like locating a borrow before uh, placing a trade. And that ended up being not very friendly to the retail side and also the pro side as well. That was probably the biggest problem and then full full funding on the the close to expiry side was was probably the second biggest problem. And with with this launch, we fixed both of those. So you can now use USD as margin. That's the default. You can use Bitcoin. We're launching uh, futures on ETH and and BCH and XRP and EOS and a bunch of other things. And so you'll be able to use basically any of those coins as well as margin. And then you can also use our, our native exchange token Flexcoin as margin. So that's something that we've done. We've eliminated the need to fully fund at expiry. If you're uh, trading a quarterly futures contract, that actually becomes a perp. So that's quite capital light is you can buy a perp, sell a quarterly, and ex- at expiry, your quarterly becomes a perp. And so your position basically gets canceled out and you're just left with the difference between the two. So we've really had a big focus on capital efficiency and basically making it really convenient for people to put on trades. And then obviously the biggest capital efficiency win is actually margin offsets. So so VAR margin and margin offsets are a pretty common thing in the traditional world. And that's what's allowed us to go to 250x leverage on spread trades. So um, one of the most common trades in the traditional space is actually some sort of what's called spread trade, where you're long one instrument and short a different instrument, usually in a same same or similar asset, but of a different time frame or, or a different contract type. So in our case, it's long the perp, short the quarterly, or long the quarterly, short the perp. And that difference is now a tradable spread on CoinFlex. So you can, in one trade, buy quarterlies and sell perps or sell quarterlies and buy perps and basically 
make money or lose money when that spread moves up and down. And that's that's what we're offering 250x leverage on because it's actually a very safe trade. You're, you don't have any exposure to the BTC price. You're just exposed to these two uh, instruments and the price differences thereof. Well, there's a few different directions that I feel like I could go in. I, I, I'm curious, like what happens when some of these market discrepancies kind of go away, right? Like, will there still be utility in the ability to sort of very easily take advantage of that opportunity at some point in the future. And then that kind of takes the wind out of it, but we can either go there, go into leverage, but, but let's touch that first. So is, is this sort of like a, a window of opportunity that exists right now because the crypto markets are so inefficient or is this something that can be a longer lasting trade for folks to very easily execute on your platform? No, this is definitely not going away. The basis trade will always exist. It may have a tighter range or it may have a different pricing to it or or and and at that point we would probably increase leverage. You know, 250x is is really just the beginning, but really it's the fundamental part of all futures trading in traditional uh, finance is some sort of spread trade or a basis trade between two things of the same type of asset. And so, you know, an owner of a prop firm said to me, he said, he thinks 90% of the liquidity on many instruments in the CME, he trades $0, but several other instruments as well. His view was 90% of that liquidity was the result of some sort of a spread trade. So, you know, that's a mature market that 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 is massive and there are still spread opportunities and, and price difference opportunities amongst the calendar months because it's an interest rate. It's just... Someone at some period of time or someone, you know, is looking to get deck exposure or Jan exposure or June exposure, and then someone's looking to earn the yield on kind of providing that exposure or providing that that spread. And it's it's possible because it can be very leveraged. So you don't have to actually be lending the balance sheet in order to do it. You can just take out uh, a long one short the other position. And because it's hedged, you can do so with huge leverage. So it's it's definitely not going away. It's fundamentally an interest rate market because the perp has a floating interest rate to it. And the quarterly is a fixed basis at any point in time. It's It's got a fixed price difference above or below spot. And that price difference will, will change. It'll go up or it'll go down. That basis will change. But at any given time, you know, you can lock that in and you can be exposed to the floating rate of the perp. So you know, fixed versus floating is is massive in traditional futures, and 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 interest rate futures in general are the biggest futures futures market in the world. So euro dollars and other interest rate derivatives kind of dwarf all other derivative trading markets. Well, your answer segues perfectly into the other question I had about leverage on the platform. Um, yeah, I am nomad tweeted the other day, either my article or, or maybe, um, no, it was actually an email you guys sent out to clients or potential clients about, about the relaunch. And you said that many of your clients, institutional folks, so these aren't just degenerates, maybe they are in their own respect personally, but in as much as they're professionals, they thought 250X leverage might not even be enough. What's the sort of logic behind that? Well, think about institutional traders, right? They're looking for ROE. And if there's a trade that is safe and they expect to be fairly consistently profitable and kind of high edge, they want to do it with as much money as they possibly can. 
and they want to do it as capital efficiently as possible. You know, this has been a major complaint about the CME and BACT is that, you know, there's not a lot of leverage. And so why are the institutions, you know, going to be trading in massive size when, when it's very capital expensive to do so? And so the ROE on trading on CME is going to be lower. And if you think about the CME's euro dollar contract, which is the most popular futures contract in the world, that's about equivalent of a thousand times leverage. So in traditional futures, you know, leverage is huge, right? S&P is like 40, 50x, uh, depending on obviously on the price. Gold is extremely high leverage as well. And then, you know, the most interesting contracts, the interest rate contracts are extremely high leverage. So it only makes sense that when you have things that don't move very much, and, and also remember, crypto takes leverage to a whole new level because it's intraday margin. So it's margined in real time. So that's part of what allows the margining to ratchet up. But when you have things that don't move that much in a day, like a spread, there's no reason to not to offer fairly chunky leverage on it, as long as you can have the liquidity in the perp and the quarterly or the spread to liquidate positions in real time. So it's not something to be scared of leverage. And most of the institutional traders are looking to get as much as they can on trades that they think are positive EV. And, and that might be a mean reversion strategy where they're seeing where basis usually is on average and they're buying it below and selling it above. That might be a strategy where they're effectively buying a spread on CoinFlex and selling it somewhere else, or they're just trading a quarterly here against a quarterly somewhere else. But any of these strategies, leverage is important because you know the margins might be tight. And so if, if you think about the margin on an unlevered basis, you might be making 5% annualized. But then when you can lever it up 20 times, that becomes 100%. And that starts becoming a lot more interesting to uh, a prop trading firm. As you ramp up leverage, what risk parameters or what do you have to put in place essentially that protects you as the provider of the market to you know make sure that uh, you know no one gets wrecked, so to speak? Yeah, so I could say things like, well, we have to have an insurance fund and we do real-time margining and there's an orderly system for liquidations, but you've probably heard that from every other exchange. So I'll focus on the things we're actually doing differently, which is really around this implied engine. So this is very popular amongst traditional exchanges, but no one in crypto has actually done it. And it's basically when you have one contract and another contract and then a market between them, you can actually show liquidity across all these contracts that is implied. And so I usually give the example of if you have a market for apples, and apples are trading $1, and you have a market for oranges, and they're trading $2. And there's a, there's a thing called a fruit basket, which is just one apple plus one orange. So the price logically should be $3. But the, in this marketplace, no one wants to quote prices in, in fruit baskets. Well, the exchange can actually show a $3 price on fruit baskets. And then if the exchange gets filled on the fruit basket price, which is an implied price, the exchange will just fill a market maker in apples and the market maker in oranges. And our equivalent of that is the perp, the quarterly, and then the perp quarterly spread. So what that means is we take prices in the perp and we take the price in the quarterly and we imply a price difference. Right now it's around 
And then we show that as a bid or an offer or, or a bid and offer in the spread market. And then we also, we take the prices in the spread and the prices in the perp and imply those out into the quarterly. And so why does this help with things like leverage? Well, let's say you have a bunch of market makers quoting in the spread, but not the quarterly. Well, we can use the perp plus spread market to get prices in the quarterly, and that can help you liquidate a quarterly position. Similarly, if you have no spread prices, no one's quoting the spread, well, there might be market makers in the perp and the quarterly, and so that, that feeds into the spread, and then there's automatically shown and displayed prices in that spread. And this is not an exchange running a market making operation. This is actually an applied engine that locks and then fills both legs anytime there's an execution. So it guarantees fills on, on all sides of the trade. It's a very powerful tool for managing risk as well, because when you're offering 250X, it's all well and good that the spread doesn't move very much. But if you have to liquidate someone, it's moved and you need liquidity. You need some level of liquidity. And so the nice thing is this implied engine helps provide it even in times where there might not be market makers providing it. Now that makes sense. It's interesting when you look across the landscape, I guess, taking a more bird's eye view of the market right now, everyone seems to be going in a similar direction, uh, expanding into you know the prime brokerage market, so to speak, or eyeing various services that would fall under the prime umbrella. We talked about this on the last episode of the show. A lot of the non-US-based firms or Asian-based firms, exchanges, aren't really going that direction. And so you guys have sort of ventured more into the lending, repo, and there's one exchange out there um, that's pretty well known that's going uh, into non-crypto markets, or at least considering them. I won't name it because I haven't broken the story yet. I don't want to scoop myself on my own show. But there's this dichotomy, right, between where Asian market participants are going or, or market participants based in Asia are going and European and American participants. And I, I, I guess my question mark is, you guys are obviously considering many different things as you sort of look to grow the market. What made you think about going in this direction versus others, maybe prime specifically? And uh, what do you think of the way the, the market is developing differently in the, in the two main regions where crypto is sort of taking hold? Yeah, I mean, I think we really see the crypto interest rate market as one that's largely synthetic but also the most interesting part of the crypto space. So there's a lot of people that think about um, this or that or the other thing. And we just see, well, interest rates are often 10 to 50%. The movements in interest rates are massive as well. They, they move around intraday. And by interest rates, I'm talking about differences between spot and perps, perp funding rates, quarterly basis, et cetera. And we think that this is a market that is ripe for retail punters actually trading interest rates. So these types of interest rate trades are some of the juiciest ones in traditional futures. They're not difficult to trade if you have access to them. Oftentimes they're mean reverting strategies where 
you can look at a chart and say, oh, this has kind of been the average price. There's some reason that it's pushed down right now. Maybe if I buy it, if it reverts, you know, I'll be okay. And a lot of these strategies are, are naive and, and still work because there's just not that many people that trade interest rates uh, in crypto and in general. In traditional markets, they're a massive market, but you know, you see a lot of people on Robinhood punting stocks and options. No one's punting interest rates because it's totally closed. You don't have access to it. No one has access to it. Retail can't trade euro dollars. So that's that's kind of our thesis on the space is crypto is going to democratize access to finance, access to high leveraged finance, access to interest yield collection finance. And we that's, that's we, really that's really interesting. We're in the midst of this retail trading boom where, you know, I'm sure you have anecdotes and, and most of our listeners have anecdotes where folks who may not be super plugged into the financial world are asking about how they can, you know, get in on calls and puts and and really dive into the options and, and derivatives world for the first time ever. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you have all of these platforms that are giving access, but even still with this sort of Cambrian explosion of retail trading, you know, they're not trading interest rate swaps, right? I mean, they're not trading interest rate derivatives. And so your point, which I think is really interesting is that crypto can maybe expedite or usher in this, this new world in which retail folks have easier access to these more complex rates tied products. I want you to, I want to sort of tease that out a bit, but also like, what are the risks in that? Right? Like I cover financial markets and I don't know if I, I, I should be doing that. Right. Well, so, so the risk is really as much risk as you want it to be, but the most important thing is you can only lose what you put in. So unlike Robin hood and traditional brokerage firms, if you put in a hundred dollars, that's all you can lose. But also the risks could be, extremely low. You know, if you buy Bitcoin and sell it quarterly, you don't have much risk. Your risk is CoinFlex blows up, that's it. If at the end of the quarterly expiration, you will get, if there's a contango market where the quarterly future is higher than the, the spot price and you buy a spot and you sell a quarterly or you buy perp, you deliver, sell a quarterly, you're going to get that yield between that perp and that quarterly. That's it. If you buy perps and you sell quarterlies with a hundred times leverage, your risk is that the quarterly price goes higher. You're, you're short the quarterly and, and long the perp. So you're kind of betting that that difference will tighten over time. And that your risk is that that difference widens and basis, basis expands, you know, interest rates go up basically. And people want to pay huge amounts more uh, for quarterly futures than they do for, for Bitcoin today or, or perps or spot. And so that's your risk. And, and you could put on a trade that takes advantage of that widening or bets against that widening and bets for a tightening. And your risk is limited to whatever you put into the account. So it's a very controlled and known risk. And it's something that we want to educate people on over time. But this is something where if people know how to trade it, it can be a very consistently lucrative and low blow up risk trade. You know, this is not going 50x long Bitcoin and just praying that it doesn't go down. This is a different trading strategy that has a way lower chance of blowing up. Yeah. And it's it's many of the opportunities that have been available to Wall Street and that Wall Street firms can sort of count on as a consistent stream of income and alpha opportunity 
that hasn't necessarily been available to regular exactly like, like me. Right. And so you're sort of trying to unleash that upon them, so to speak. I guess when you think about the difference between the retail folks and the institutional folks on the platform, most firms, there are a few firms in crypto that cater to just one side, whether it's institutional or, or retail, but how do you create a platform? I, I try to ask most people on the show this, if, if they're sort of operators of an exchange or, or other type of service, how do you cater to both via one, one platform in an effective way? Part of it is, is a focus on which type of trader we're catering towards. So if you're just looking to, you know, we're going to list a lot of altcoins. We're aiming to list 100 by the end of the year. And that being said, if, if you're just looking to deposit 100 bucks and, and buy some altcoins and, and that's it, we're probably not the platform that's going to cater the most to you because we're not kind of consumer. We're, we're looking for kind of active traders. And then similarly on the institutional end, we're really looking for people that are managing their own money, prop trading firms. Hedge funds and family offices have also entered the space, but they just do less volume. So we don't optimize for them as much. That being said, you know, you know, we are working on some partnerships that will make hedge funds and, and family offices make it easier for those guys to, uh, to access the platform. But really, it's about finding different groups of people that can have a lot of utility and just focusing on, on basically features and product sets that make a lot of sense for those people. So, so spreads being one of them lots of altcoin perps and, and contracts and derivative markets being another one. And then beyond that, it's like lots of other features to just make it really, really easy. But ultimately, they want the same thing. Whether you're an active trader that is a retail person or you're a financial institution that's managing your own money or managing someone else's money and trading professionally, a lot of the same things you'd want are relatively similar. So you want low fees, you want high execution uh, capabilities. You want interfaces that make things really easy and really simple for you to track P&L, to see positions, balances. Um, on both sides of the spectrum, you might want APIs. So a lot of the users of our APIs are not just pros, but also retail individuals. In most cases, you want to know that your funds are safe. I mean, everyone, everyone cares about their funds. If you're depositing your funds on a platform, you want to know this is safe. This is in some sort of custody provider. This is this is well protected. So you know we we provide all of that, and we just listen to f users' feedback and try to improve it. What are some of those partnerships you might be working on to lure in those hedge funds and asset allocators, which have maybe been a little bit more distant from this market? I think the biggest area where that's being worked on is really around any sort of shared custody so a lot of a lot of these types of uh, firms want to know that if they're if they're depositing funds as margin they may be depositing it in an escrow type setup where it's not legally owned by coinflex until it's actually used as margin in a trade and so there's some sort of escrow situation or provider in that in that type of setup so so that's that's really the most common one, and it's one that I think a lot of uh, a lot of the family offices and hedge funds that are kind of managing external money want to see. They may be trading on the platform now, but they can size up significantly once that's that's in place. How important um, 
you've been following this market just as long as as anybody probably listening, but the whole narrative of that institutional capital sitting on the sidelines waiting in has flared up time and time again. How important is it for CoinFlex as a business for the the trickle to become a wave, so to speak? It's largely not important. The beautiful thing about crypto is it has a tendency to reduce dependency on intermediaries. So financial institutions are really intermediaries between an individual with capital and a market in some way. So, so even a hedge fund is that. It's a structure where an individual pays fees to a manager who manages their capital. And the beautiful thing about crypto is now these individuals can trade in these markets directly. And, and most people don't want to trade, but there's passive ways to earn yield from these crypto markets as well. And so, you know, like I mentioned, our, our flex earn product and plugging that into repo, we think the rates are, are going to be quite attractive. You know, it's too early to say what they will be and what they are, but, but we think the rates on that are going to be quite attractive. They may well compete with many with the returns of many uh, many investment products out there, just by nature of being uh, kind of an arbiter between spot and, and perpetuals. So um, really, it's it's a question of whether institutions can provide added value on top of the value that individuals can get from these markets directly. And if they can, then they're going to be a big part of the market. Crypto is going to grow regardless. And, and really, CoinFlex is a bet on crypto growing. But whether institutions are part of that growth is really just a dependency on the creativity of the people building these institutions. And I think the beautiful thing about crypto is individuals are going to have to get more creative and create more value than the institutional setups and structures that exist in traditional finance where, hey, you create a master feeder structure and, and you can collect two and 20 doing things that are maybe pretty basic. Maybe they look relatively not that much more complicated than buying the S&P 500. So I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of investors are kind of tired of this uh, sort of lackadaisical attitude. And that's the benefit of crypto is the funds, the institutions, the, the players that are operating in this space are just held to a way higher standard. And as a result, they're way more creative. They're thinking, much deeper about the nature of their businesses. They're looking to actually build a business rather than just kind of collectively, passively collect fees. It's a totally different market. It's a totally different market. And so I think um, institutional growth is going to be really interesting, but it's not needed for crypto to succeed. I mean, it's a really fascinating thesis, Mark. And it raises the question, what then is or what will be the value add of some of these active managers who think they can just get by charging two and 20 and enjoying their yachting in the Fairfield waters of the Long Island Sound? Well, I think there's a lot of smart plays in crypto. And, and I think the people that are able to execute those smart plays will be able to earn incredible returns. And so I'm, I'm not trying to say no one's going to be able to do it. No one's going to be able to create institutional adoption in crypto. There's, there are institutions in crypto. They're very crypto native. You know, it's, it's a new field. But what I am saying is the ones that are in crypto today are, you know, fairly sophisticated. And, and they're, 
evolving all the time. And so it's a very different market that will hopefully continue to evolve on, on that side of things at a really rapid clip and then provide some really good value for the people that are, that are LPs or, or customers or kind of relating to those businesses. And to an extent, it's going to be a tide that rises all boats. And I think your point and the main theme probably underpinning this entire conversation, which has just flown by, is that it will include some more retail folks who want to get hands-on and, and kind of tap into some of the opportunities that you know larger firms with more resources have been able to tap into. I, I guess in a way to sort of wrap up the conversation, just second half of the year, expectations for the firm, KPIs, what, what are you most excited about or want to see happen as, as a result of this rebranding? Obviously you want to see volumes increase, but is there something maybe more specific? Yeah, I mean, in the first 24 hours of the, the spread market trading, we had about $70 million go through, which was um, way more than I was expecting and, and a very encouraging sign. I'm, I'm expecting we see that spread market um, develop into something that people are trading spreads across um, ETH and PCH and EOS and, and a bunch of different altcoins um, trading trading basis and trading spreads across them. I'm, ex I'm expecting to build out a borrow lend business in our repo market that basically disintermediates or, or kind of connects borrowers and lenders in a, in a truly different way um, and hopefully is much more efficient and results in much tighter rates. And so we can compress the rates in the space. And ultimately, I think we'll have a very educated group of, of traders emerge that are thinking about trading in a way that doesn't blow them up and they can put on big positions with a much lower blow up risk and actually make money every day or, or kind of consistently have some source of EV positive overall trades. And I think that that's, you know, that's the future we want to see. We want to, we want to build out that market into something that kind of rivals what you see in the traditional space, but with much greater access. And eventually as crypto grows, that's going to be a, a way bigger market because there's just more traders in it. Yeah. The lack of blowups might make the space a little less sexy and exciting, but definitely beneficial for its maturation and uh, excited to see what CoinFlex benefits from and, and adds to that future. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for your time. I'd like to give our sponsor Bitstamp a big thank you. The original global cryptocurrency exchange. Bitstamp is built for professional traders, yet intuitive enough for any investor. You can use Bitstamp's advanced trading interface, TradeView, to execute your strategy or instantly buy crypto in seconds when the opportunity strikes all from your computer or mobile device. Bitstamp prides itself on delivering unmatched customer service with a human touch. Their global customer care team is available around the clock via telephone, email, and social media. When you contact them, you'll always speak to an actual person, not a bot. You can download the Bitstamp app from the App Store or Google Play, or visit bitstamp.net slash pro 
to learn more and to start trading today. That's bitstamp.net slash pro. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service.